Hey dear ones, it's Dr. Shelley. So I mentioned a while back that I started a new online school. Basically my travel schedule, as you know, uh, kind of got canceled this year. And so I converted a lot of my classes to the online format. And I have to tell you, this has been a complete joy and a complete blast. You can come on over and check the school out at healingarts.thinkific.com. And there you will find certification programs in Egyptian energy healing, my new Pythagorean healing series, and so much more with new courses being added all the time. And when you take one of my energy healing certification courses, you are invited to come on over to Zoom and join me personally for ongoing Zoom calls. And we have been having a complete blast. We've sent healing light out to people, out to animals, situations, the world, and everything in between. It's a great community, and I want you to join us. So check it out at healingarts.thinkific.com, and I'll look forward to welcoming you to a class very soon. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey dear, I hope you had a great week. So we're going to be listening to part two of my gem healing course and then stay tuned next week when we will conclude this gem healing course by talking about the stones. So let's get going and I hope you enjoy it. Another important aspect of gem healing is how to clean stones. And so this is another question I get a lot of is how am I going to cleanse my stones? Why and why would I even need to do that in the first place? Um, usually like if you bring, you're usually going to bring them in from a shop or maybe you acquired something from someone. And sometimes it really is a good idea before you start working with stones just to cleanse them. And this doesn't, again, we don't need to get too elaborate with it other than it's just our setting our intention that we want to kind of cut the cords between the outer world so that the stone can be more part of our key in our daily life. So there's a couple ways we can do this. Um, my favorite way would be to take the stone, take it outside. And if you've got a yard of some kind, or even if you don't, you know, you, some people will have like a little potted plant. Um, so, well, that's the secondary. So ideally, let's say you could take it outside and you have maybe um, some bushes with some 
some ground underneath it or dirt. I guess that stuff's called dirt. Thank you. <laughs> so you can place the stones on the dirt and just allow your kind of in your intention, you're just knowing that, you know, stones, just like we do, they have little energy fields around them. So if we're just handling them all the time, or again, depending on wherever they came from, we can place the stone on the ground and just know that those vibes that it picked up in the outer world can start to go down into the ground. And in some cases, it can really start to cause flowers to grow and different things to happen as that vibrational exchange is taking place. So how long would I keep it out there? Um, technically, I mean, the bare minimum would be probably a couple of hours if you could remember to go get them. Sometimes I started forgetting to leave them. You know, I'd leave them and then maybe um, I'm going to leave them out there for a week or something. I try not to do that. I try to bring them in, you know, overnight. Like I'll put them out and I'll go try to pick them up again in the morning. Um, another thing, I live in Texas. And if you live in an area like that or in Arizona or Nevada or somewhere where there's a lot of really bright sunshine, I have made the sad mistake of leaving like an amethyst crystal out in the sun and that will actually start to bleach your stones. So you wanna be real careful with that as well. Um, I also adore leaving stones out in the moonlight when the moon is full. So these are all ways that you can kind of charge them up with the light of the full moon and bring them in. Again, maybe, you know, 12 to 24 hours would be ideal. But even if you could just go put them outside for 20 minutes, that can be a nice thing to do. Let's say though we're in a, let's say we're in an apartment or we're in a big city or something and we just don't have the access to being able to do that. Um, I have also cleansed stones in inclement weather in potted plants. They really love to have your stones in there because again, there's a vibrational exchange. So you could just take the stone and, you know, you've got the leaves of the plant, just set it in there for a while. And then, you know, in my case, hopefully, hopefully I remember to take it out before I start watering the plant or putting plant food on it or anything. No, I don't really do that. But just remember at some point to pull it out. Um, technically, again, maybe overnight would be good. Another thing you could do is you could take sea salts because sea salts contain all of the elements that are found on our planet. And you could bathe different stones in sea salt. I don't do that really as much. Different minerals, depending on how hard they are, like the quartz family, which is amethyst or like a quartz crystal, those are very hard stones. So they are very durable, but you know, some of the more fragile things you would not really want to put them in water. So those would be things I would want to ground on the ground rather than in the water. So you can use sea salt. I really would not use sodium chloride, which is your table salt. That would not be a good one. Epsom salts are wonderful salts for you to use to cleanse your own energy field. And I've used them a couple times if I, sometimes you can look at a stone and you can just see it just looks cloudy or something. So I have used Epsom salts to help um, cleanse really severely bogged down, energetically bogged down stones. But normally, again, I just stick with the grounding because to me, that's the best. Now I have to show you something interesting. So most stones have to be cleansed once in a while. It would be kind of like you know, when you come home from work, maybe you're just tired, you need to go rinse off and just get yourself into a different frame of mind. And so a stone is usually like that too, because the stone, just like we are, is picking up vibes from the outer world and we want to cleanse them. But there are a couple of stones that don't need to be cleansed. And so one of those is selenite. And this is one of my all-time favorite stones. 
Um, I have a, have a book called Stones of Light, where I'm talking about stones that just are very powerful to bring light into the energy bodies. And so selenite is one of these. For some reason, this is a magical stone that does not absorb the vibrational frequencies of the exterior world the way other ones do. So because of that, the other way we could cleanse a regular stone would be just to keep our selenite and just stick the stone on selenite for a period of time. Again, you know, let's leave it for at least an hour or so. And just know that the selenite is going to go through here and clean the energetic field around this stone as well. So that's one way. Likewise, though, for yourself, we can lay selenite on the body because it doesn't need to be cleansed. It starts to really open up the chakra centers and it just brings a lot of light into the situation. So that is a very interesting stone to use for cleansing stones. And in our next segment where we're going to talk about gemstones, I will share some of the other magical stones that also do not need to be cleansed, but they are few and far between. Normally you will get the feeling, you know what, maybe I just, somebody just gave this to me as a gift, or I just went to the store and I just brought this home. And before I bring it into my space, I'm going to go out and kind of bless it by allowing it to be outside in nature for a little while and just see it as cleansed. And if I don't want to do any of the things that I've just described, we could also take like a sage, a, a, you know, a bundled bunch of sage, light it. We could smudge the stones. I've done that in the past. That's wonderful. Um, and or if you have an energy healing practice where you use various symbology in healing, you can use like Reiki is wonderful. You can just hold your little stone, send your Reiki symbols or send your loving Reiki energy to it or any other healing system that you're using. Or you could just hold a stone, hold it in your hand and say, at this moment, my intent is that you are clear. And so it is. And just know that it's done. Put it down and just know. The other thing that comes up along those lines, though, is what if I received something from someone and maybe that's giving me some interesting vibes? And maybe I don't even know why it's giving me interesting vibes. There could be a couple different things going on. Maybe, um, maybe it was attached to the other person. So the other thing we can do, um, I love cord cutting. That's one of my favorite things ever. And this is a part of your imagination where we just imagine that there's an energetic cord coming out really of our solar plexus area. It's connecting me with the stone. And so I'm just gonna imagine in my mind's eye that my guide or an angel is gonna come out with a pair of golden scissors or I can just do this myself. Three, two, one. And I'm just gonna cut the cord between me and this stone and or I can imagine that this stone, let's say there's a cord and it's just going out there, connecting this with its former owner I can just say three, two, one, and I can cut the cord between the stone and the former owner, the stone and me. And I now ideally, then maybe I go out and set it outside for a little while. And then when I get the vibe, which is usually my inner guidance saying, oh, hey, you forgot those stones out there. Oh, gosh, I didn't mean to do that. Okay, great. I'll go outside and I'll pick it up and it'll just feel like, oh, wow, this is mine. And now we can, we can connect because I've kind of ridded it of unwanted influences. And again, these unwanted influences, they might not be bad, but just again, to just kind of create a bond between you and the stone and kind of disconnect prior owners or other energies. And then the other thing along those lines, let's say 
Um, I have a book called Past Lives with Gems and Stones. And in that book, I tell a story about a woman who I was having a gem class back in the days when we could get together. And she picked up a piece of kyanite, which is a blue stone. It's like a sharded stone, very similar to selenite. And it is the other stone that does not need to be cleansed. And then there's a third one we're going to talk about in our next segment. But the kyanite brought up something and she just went, oh, I can't stand this. This is horrible. And as it turns out, it was actually bringing up a past life memory because I do believe that in spontaneous past life memories that can be triggered either by gemstones or maybe we travel to a place or we see an artifact in a museum or sometimes we meet familiar people who we've known in a past life. But stones can definitely be one of the many things that can actually trigger past life memories. So if you're having some kind of a strange reaction, you know, just settle in with it, try to cleanse it, and then just cut the cords with it. And barring that, maybe just go on a little past life journey and see if there's a past life connection that needs healing or something. So, all right, so things to consider. But again, is there right or wrong here? No. A lot of times you're going to have to just experiment and you just need to do what you feel is best at the time and you really can't go wrong. All right. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. If you are interested in any of the stones that I'm talking about on the show, come on over to my website, pastlifelady.com slash gemstones and check them out. Likewise, if you want to see the stones in action, go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in the words past life lady in the search bar and click on the links. I've got a whole series of videos about the healing arts podcast, gem and mineral healing, Egyptian energy healing, and more. Check it out. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. You can visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. We're continuing part two of my gem healing class, and I had some questions that were really good ones. So we're going to answer those now. So one of the questions has to do with the fact that if I tell you the healing property of a stone, so let's say here's a piece of lapis, for example, and if I say lapis helps spirituality, I'm just saying, I'm just using that as an example. So does that mean that this is going to help you the same way it helps me? And the answer is no. So in my books, I spend a lot of time talking about like the healing properties of gems. And so I think of gems like you know, like we are tuning into a radio station. So if I'm listening to the jazz station and you're listening to classical, you could switch your tuner over and start listening to the jazz station. So let's say this is the jazz station, which is lapis. I'm just saying like an, as an example, but how I hear that 
or how I perceive that is still also based on who I am, where I came from in my past lives, the lessons I've come to learn in this lifetime. And so I might receive that information and energy differently than you. And so in my books, when I'm telling you about the healing properties of a stone, then I'm basically using that kind of like a broad generalization that for most people, these are the things that the lapis, for example, can do for you. And we're going to get into the actual healing properties of some of these stones in part three of the gem healing course. But just know that it, you know, it's not always the same for everyone. But for the most part, these are just kind of some keynotes and some broad generalizations that you can usually, um, you know, at least start from that place. But you still have to experiment with this stuff yourself. And that's why one of the things I'm trying to do by teaching classes and writing these books is to just open your mind to the possibility so that you might want to try some of this for yourself. And then you will decide for yourself which ones you like the best, what they're actually doing for you personally. But I would say this is how it works for most people. So that is a great question. So let's look at another question. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one. So um, one of the students who was in this actual workshop when I was teaching it was saying that she had a stone many years ago that for some reason was making her cough and she wanted to know what I thought that that meant. So there's a couple things. One is these stones, when I lay stones on the body, they are actually making a difference in my energy field. So a cough, you know, we might think that's a negative thing, but it could just be a good thing. It could mean that energy's moving and something's just getting moved and so that it can release, you know, because sometimes you have to cough to release an energy, for example. Um, the other thing that can happen, which I talk about in my book, Past Lives with Gems and Stones, is that some stones can actually bring up the holographic memories that are stuck out in your energy field that have to do with your past lives. Because, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're tuned into stones in the first place. If I like lapis, for example, this might be about my past lives in Egypt, or it could be, you know, anywhere in the Middle East. A lot of the lapis right now is coming from Afghanistan. And that whole area in the Middle East, that's the ancient world. And so we've had a lot of past lives there. And so sometimes maybe a cough or a reaction to a particular stone or a jolt, it could be actually tuning you into that part of the planet. And that could really be making an impact on you. And so, you know, you have to keep in mind, again, with the stones that if I say lapis does X, Y, Z, or amethyst would actually be a better example. And amethyst from Southern Colorado has a totally different feeling than an amethyst that you might find in Brazil, for example, because it's, again, it's coming from a different part of the world. And how your vibrational system responds to Brazil might be different than how you're going to respond to Colorado. And so, you know, the, the lapis is kind of an interesting example, though, because that's such a rare mineral that there's very few places in the world that that actually comes from. Although the desert southwest and the turquoise, like the turquoise I'm wearing here, um, has similar chemical qualities to lapis. So that's an interesting part of the world, too. That's part of Lemuria, also ancient. And also parts of Atlantis are in that area as well, in the, de de the desert, excuse me, <laughs> the desert southwest of the United States. 
that's a totally different energy than the Middle East, but yet there is an energetic connection there that's based on the fact that these minerals only occur in these kinds of places and there's very few places like this on earth. So think about all these things. You don't need to think too much about them, but just when you're tuning into stones, just notice how they're making you feel. But at first, if it feels like, oh, I'm coughing or, ooh, I don't like that, just allow the stone to work. And sometimes it'll help you work through some of these energetic blockages that you may be carrying in from past lives. So great questions and we will continue our class. And I'm so glad you're here. We'll be right back. Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today. Welcome back to Gem Healing Class, part two. So one of the other things that I don't get to talk about enough is how to make a gem elixir. So what is a gem elixir? This is where we take a crystal. I don't think you can see that very well, people on YouTube. But anyway, we can take a quartz crystal and we can place it into a jar. And so we put it in the jar. We add some filtered water. And then hopefully you set that outside either in the sunlight or the moonlight for at least 24 hours. And then what you can do is, you know, the crystal has energy fields around it, just like you and I do. And so when you soak the crystal in the water, then the vibrational frequencies of the crystal at the highest level, at the etheric level, start to get absorbed into the water. And then when you drink them, it creates a very amazing healing. And so I do want to give you some recommendations, and some never-to-do things here. Please use quartz crystal. Or let me see if I can find my amethyst. You could use an amethyst. These are good. These are members of the quartz family. They are very, very um, hard, and so they're not going to soak off into the water. So just make sure you're using something like this or a rose quartz. Those are good. But just watch out and just stick with the quartz family. So we're placing the quartz in the water, we're having filtered water, and we're drinking it. Very, very profound. The other thing that I talked about in my book, Edgar Cayce's Egyptian Energy Healing, that we can do, we can actually make colored water. I could either take the crystal, I could put it into this blue container, and I could not only benefit from the blue frequencies that would be in the water, but the crystal frequencies as well. The other one we can use, we could make red water. We could make green water. So what would these different colored waters do? 
Um, blue is resonating with your throat center. So that opens up communication. Um, it's also very emotionally healing. It can be very calming and peaceful. Red is about the circulation, the heart center, and green is for healing. So these things that I'm showing you, if you're watching this on YouTube, these are plastic though. I really do recommend glass if you were gonna do this. And then the other thing, I don't have my, I don't have my cellophane with me, but you could take like a plain glass and then you could just wrap it up in cellophane, which I have shown you on different videos on my YouTube channel. You just wrap it in cellophane, you go sit that outside. So you use the glass, but you're using that um, colored cellophane that you would get in like a Hallmark gift wrapping store or whatever. And the sunshine just shines down on it and it still puts the frequencies of that color into your water. And what would happen, which is so weird, is that the water, when it's colored, if you taste it, it actually tastes completely different than it tasted just coming straight out of your filter. And so also, you know, green water tastes different than red water, and that tastes different than blue water because the frequency is actually embedded into the water. And so it's making an impression on the water. And I'm sure, and I hope, that you've read the book, um, Messages in Water by the late great Dr. Emoto, where he actually took pictures of water molecules under the microscope. And he saw that when we send love and joy and peace and healing to water, then it turns into these beautiful snowflakes. And then if we send stuff that we don't even wanna talk about here to water, then it can turn into a murky disaster. And so they did actual experiments where they showed that they could actually pray a polluted lake clean simply by sending love and light to that water. And so likewise, that's one of the reasons why it's really cool to put crystals in water and to work with the colors. Or again, you could just send Reiki to it. You could send, if you're doing my Egyptian energy healing or Pythagorean healing symbols, yes, very strong binary healing to water, OMG, that's strong. So you can try playing with these things, um, but it's just another way to do gem healing where instead of just laying the stones on the body, we're actually going to ingest the stones through the water at the highest level. And then that can cause and hopefully create peace, tranquility and vitality into your being. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing to do. I have to admit that um, I used to do a lot of this kind of stuff when I was younger, <laughs> but I don't do as much of it anymore as I used to. I should. And so that's why people are always saying, well, how long do I need to leave the thing outside? I mean, I'm kind of in a hurry a lot of the time. So sometimes I'll just leave it out overnight. I would recommend 24 hours if you could, but again, you may not have time to do that. So just do the best you can. But at least for a couple hours, if you're going to put it outside, give it a try because part of this is just having fun and experimenting. But again, please stick with the court family. All right. Okay, cool. And you can see more about how to do this with actual photographs of those big sun tea jars that they used to have where you put tea bags in, in the sunshine and put those out on the patio. Um, I've got pictures of this in my book, Crystal Healing, which I will put a link up for you so you can check that out. Alrighty, so that's just a little bit about gem healing. So stay tuned for the next part of our gem and mineral healing class.
It's hard to believe that it's already the end of November, and so the next time I talk to you, it will be December already, if you can believe it. And so stay tuned next time, and remember, we're going to talk more about gem healing. I will go into the healing properties of some stones, and we will have more fun together. I'm looking forward to connecting with you then. So have a blessed week, and please take care of yourself and those around you. Namaste.